When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In today's episode, we're going to be exploring labelling and labels. And I am so excited that we are joined by Paul Russell. Paul trained at one of the country's most prestigious schools for the performing arts, and he started the Standing Ovation Choir in 2015. He's led programmes globally with high-profile clients, and as a vocal coach and choir director, he's worked with EGOT, John Legend, sung for the Queen um, and worked with many West End, Broadway and TV actors. A huge welcome, Paul. Hello. Uh, hi. Thank you for having me. And thank you for that intro. <laughs> <laughs> slight, slight blush, but very well deserved, of course. Uh, <laughs> it's great to have you here, Paul. Um, we've got lots to get through today uh, because we're spending the whole episode talking about labelling. We were thinking of a few topics, uh, but actually, once we started unpicking labelling, it, um, it just grew and grew. So, Yeah, interestingly, when we were like looking at labels... Um, we went to the dictionary because, you know, we've got Dr. Julie in the in the building. Um, and then we had like a massive discussion about the different descriptions. So when you look at Oxford versus Cambridge, both are defining the word with really negative connotations. Mm. So when we looked at Cambridge dictionary, it says it's a classifying phrase or name applied to a person or thing, especially one that's inaccurate or restrictive. Yeah, and when we looked at the Oxford Dictionary, it said it's a word or phrase that's used to describe somebody or something in a way that seems too general, unfair or not correct. So both really negative. Yeah. What are your mm. thoughts on that, Paul? Uh, I co-sign. I think um, they are both very negative um, and I'm not sure why there mm. is that connotation of negativity surrounding those definitions. Mm. Um it, it makes me think of a really simple thing that pops into my head of when we go to the supermarket, wouldn't we be lost without label? Mm. Like, wet bread, or do I want brown bread? Do I want mm. gluten-free bread? Do I want, like, low-carb bread? Do I want white bread? Do I want dodge? Do I want sour? Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. like, like so it's, it's more information. Yeah. N- yeah. Neither negative nor, po- yeah. Negative nor yeah. positive, yeah. So, and, so, Sorry, I was just going to say, that's interesting the way that Paul's thinking about it because when we did our poll on socials um it was very split with people saying that there is that kind of both negative and positive mm. connotation a uh, majority of people saying saying both they feel feel it both ways so interesting then that the dictionary would go straight to that negative connotation yeah, interesting so we the way we're going to um, discuss labels uh today um is in three parts um i'm being labeled so people are labelling me, so we're going to talk about that. Then um, I'm labelling myself, so the labels that we give each, give ourselves, and then I'm labelling others. So three different ways of labelling mm. people. So we're going to kick off by talking about um, when we are labelled by people, when people are making assumptions about us and what those labels are. So I 
I straight away thinking about that went to I am always labeled the northerner mm. that always happens so <laughs> Dr Julie mainly no I'm joking <laughs> um but wherever I go whatever room I walk into my accent precedes me mm. and actually Darn. people then make so many assumptions just on the way I speak and I think my my love affair with that kind of label has kind of peaked and troughed over the years because people think well when they hear my accent that I'm maybe stupid mm. or a bit uneducated or maybe don't even like have value to add and I think but again maybe that's me being like building assumptions but I feel I have definitely felt that and felt the pressure to like flatten my accent mm. and you know we've talked about it on the podcast yep. producer Dan says embrace your accent <laughs> you know lean into it but I think there is so many assumptions that come from it that but I think now I use it to my advantage that people assume being northern that like you're really friendly you're down to earth mm. um and so I probably I probably try and work that where I can um yeah but yeah it's an interesting one what about you Paul um what people would um label me as um yeah. well, I suppose it's twofold um for those that know me or begin to know me wherever we're at in the journey uh would definitely be artist mm. um creative um uh, you know he, he's the performer he's the you know uh, if and someone's got to read a speech oh he'll do it that's what he does uh, which i love and it's what i do um uh, but society that they um i walked into a room of strangers, I would imagine it would be gay man, gay fashionable man. Ooh. <laughs> um, but I would imagine that. Um, yeah. And I would imagine that based on really simple things that um, my hair, uh, my choice of eyewear, um, the clothes that I wear, um, the way I hold myself. Mm. Um, can I just jump in there and say that you have a beautiful mane of hair and I'm oh, loving uh, the glasses so for anyone that obviously can't see you just to highlight that they need to go onto like Twitter and see this because it is beautiful I love you for saying that thank you it was very unhappy oh this sounds so loaded it was very unhappy five inches ago <laughs> what, a, what a difference five inches make lobbed it off and it's so happy it's so happy um yeah so thank you i appreciate that um it did need a lot of love um, so so your 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 i love your labels then because they're all really positive um and or are they well do you feel say? do they feel positive to you paul I just yeah. cut you off there, Dr. Julie, but, That's fine. you know. Yeah, yes, yeah. so I, I, I feel, um, they are, I feel like maybe when I was younger, mm. um, the, um, well, why is it just getting, why is it, do you know what I mean? Mm. Like that whole, I, you know, almost fighting against the archetype of the gay person. Um, and it's not something I fight at all because who I am, but I still do hope and have a quest for the world that, you know, wouldn't it be great if I'm just Paul? Mm. Like, wouldn't it be great if you're just Dr. Julie, if you're Natasha? Like, mm. wouldn't it be lovely to, to have that? So to me, it's not 
negative. And I know, Julie, you're about to say something, but before I forget, because my memory is a bit <laughs> mushy from um, traveling yesterday, um, I want to ask, well, we'll go back to this. Natasha, are you in Northern? So I'd be interested, mm-hmm. before you open your mouth, what, what people label you as. Ooh. Um, <laughs> I, so I get quite a lot that um, I, people always think I'm a bit rude and a bit, like, a bit, I think I've got one of those faces that I don't, I don't, my natural resting face, I don't think is particularly welcoming or friendly. Um, But what she does to overcompensate is be like excruciatingly, embarrassingly pleasant to everybody she meets. (laughs) And it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's over the top at times, just because I think you're, you're, you're trying to be so nice and not be that, that label of, that people may have said about you that yeah. you know you've got that resting bitch face bleep oh hang on let me find the button there we go um do you think yes yeah you, i've never been out with anybody that is so nice and pleasant to to everybody you meet like everyone i think that's a nice thing it's a nice thing but it just doesn't feel can i say genuine all the time oh <laughs> oh do you know right. I, like that cuts me deep no and i'm not not being like you know mean i'm just I, you know it's, this is an open space that we oh, can safe you space. know safe space that we can talk about things <laughs> and that might be because i always look and i think wow like you're so nice to absolutely everybody you meet do you know what though i think that comes from i feel very socially awkward so i feel very uncomfortable in any social situation Mm. and I always think about other people feeling uncomfortable and I think actually I have been in so many situations where I've needed a friendly face and you go into a situation where there's like a click and you know people are a bit exclusive Mm. and so I always think well actually if I can be that one friendly face in a room maybe it's a bit more about other people but I do I probably do overcompensate from the fact that people do look at me and think (laughs) She's a bit moody. But I, I think it does come from a place of knowing how I feel in those situations. Mm. So I, I would never want others. But it does work in my favour sometimes. So I got free um, cookies at Starbucks just for asking how the coffee lady <laughs> was. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Do that more often. Yeah. Definitely. You should do that. <laughs> I think so. But what about you? So um, I suppose when we're talking about people labelling, being well, being labelled, um, because of my my age um i'm frequently labeled as menopausal or spoken to in about the menopause when mm. i never talk about the menopause i never. never never sort of like refer to it as part of being me at all um but that's that's definitely something and, and it's really strange in a work environment i've gone from being labeled as a childbearing age of childbearing age mm. to right. and, and therefore that might have an impact on my career yeah to now being of menopausal age and that that might have an impact on my career and i think from a from a woman at work those labels are, are particularly harmful mm. yes yeah. i was just gonna say that's very dangerous and why is it like someone's always going for you mm. why can't it be look at the success she's doing whilst having children mm. and like <laughs> Also, like, I think that's so inappropriate. Why are you talking about, like, men? no. <laughs> like, that is just borderline. No, no, no. I think mm. that's just, when did that start? Um, I would say the last couple of years it started, hasn't it? Yeah. All the talk about menopause, and it's really, I mean, it's a, it's a hot topic now. 
um, across Why? workforces. And I think, I mean, we've done, you know, Do we you? have got, we've had other conversations about menopause and I think in lots of ways it's great, but I think it has to be on people's terms. Like you can't just like rock up to someone and just start referring mm. to them as menopause or, yeah. or assuming that they're okay talking about it because yeah. yeah. it might be something that actually they, they, that's going on in their life and and that's okay for them. They don't, they don't want to, mm. to, to open yeah. up even more. Absolutely. So let, let's move o- over to labelling ourselves then because we often do label yeah. ourselves and and sometimes that's you know it's best when you choose your own label um okay. and, and that can be positive and negative as well um so paul talk us about any late talk to us about any labels that you give yourself okay well um i am a gay man and i am a member of the queer community and I more often than not describe myself as queer. Mm. That's um, the term, the umbrella I use for LGBTQ plus IA. Um, that's the term I use, yeah. And I have done for many years now. And how do, because I've, I, you know, I, I follow you on Twitter, complete stalker over here. But, and you know, you, you use the hashtag, you know, queer artist, hashtag, mm-hmm. you, you were at a wedding this weekend, hashtag queer wedding. Oh. Mm. Um, and how is that met that word so when you you know when you use that phrase like how is that met because when we talk about you know if i if i was to use that word if if people use that word there's there's lots of different feelings isn't there Mm, mm. towards it yeah there definitely is um so your question of how do people feel about it Mm. um uh, oh gosh well I don't really care how people feel about it. <laughs> that's, ah. that's, that's my answer. Love that. Um, what I care about is how I feel about it. Yeah. Um, and I feel warm. I feel embraced. I feel protected. I feel um, a queer hug of community and all the people and all the letters in it, mm. all the labels in it. I feel part of that um, a kinship. And certainly my journey with it is um, when I was a child and had hurtful things said to me, and this still happens, still happens. Um, this year alone, like, sadly, we've had two, like, um, you know, hate situations um, in really ridiculous places, but it's still happening. Um, but now, what was used to weaponize is now like it just doesn't you can't harm me it doesn't hurt me you can't harm me Mm. um so i suppose it's ownership of something that was previously weaponized against me in my community um and yeah i i just think it's um all-encompassing term um but yeah i definitely suppose um yeah i suppose for some folks it can be um yeah, uh, a contentious word. Mm. Um, I also think, as much as I love to be Peter Pan and Forever Young, <laughs> I'm like in my 40s now, and I think it's also a generational thing, you know? Mm, yeah. Definitely. Um, like, queer was such a, like, a queer bashing. Mm. Yes. That was, that was my childhood. That term was bandied around. Um, and so I think it's also a generational thing for me yeah. to own and celebrate queer. Yeah, because we, when we were doing this research, um, we, we looked at the history of the word um, mm. and um, 
Natasha's actually got lots of facts and, and figures about it, but one and which she will tell tell us about. But of course, just one thing is around <laughs> it. And what the overriding thing that kept coming out was that in the nineteen eighties, um, it was reclaimed, and I don't remember it being reclaimed in the nineteen eighties. I remember it being a vicious word in the nineteen eighties. Yeah, me too. Um, was that in America? Perhaps it was. Um, perhaps Maybe. in America it was. Mm we claim but definitely yeah definitely um i mean i can remember um like i'm just having flashbacks of like newspapers yes um oh really? you know yeah yeah literally titled um clear bashing and um oh my god yeah like so i, I definitely um think over here mm. um in the uk it was um and i think it's something that probably only like the last decade 15 years but i think it's been reclaimed and be like actually this is a positive word yeah this mm. is me this is us i would um, agree with that actually because so when i when i think of the word queer i i think like you paul like it's warm it's protected it's the community i see it as a very positive word but i know lots of people within the community probably like you say that generation older that really find it really upsetting and that mm. obviously goes back to to the way it has been weaponized and like like you just said julie when i was like looking through to try and get some more research around the word you know it was i, I read something that said oscar wilde was called a queer a, a snob queer in 1895 and that's just so interesting a snob queer um but I think you're right about the maybe in America because there was some HIV and AIDS activists in New York in 1990 and actually they called themselves Queer Nation. So then oh, right, really yeah. trying to like turn that term, mm -hmm. term round. So perhaps that's where that kind of 80s thing comes from. So you said, Paul, that you think the term queer is all-encompassing. Um, tell us about that. Is it basically, are you thinking anybody who is not heteronormative, not hetero... Uh, romantic um, is is queer. Is, is that is that your definition? For me, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the caveat to that in being uh, whatever the person identifies as, you know, right? Um, because there's also members of the queer community who don't wish to be um, labelled as queer. There's yeah. also yeah. Uh, that then but or even if we're just calling it the lgbtqia whatever term you're going to use the pride community um there are people who um for their choices their journey they don't want to ever be uh, connected to that um but for my part yeah like the all-encompassing includes um all in a very arms open welcome yeah. come mm. here come hug hard like that that's what i um feel with yeah and and so can a straight person use the word queer i think so i don't see a problem um i don't have a problem with you know calling you a cis woman so mm -hmm. i don't see mm. why you, why i should have a problem with <laughs> you calling me a queer man See, I um, so I'm I'm going to jump in here and say I I I don't think I ever would. So I I you know I I identify as a straight woman, but I'm a massive ally to the LGBT community, and 
for me, I don't think I would ever refer, like in this situation, I would never mm. refer to you as a queer man. But I think, I, I, I don't know, cause like, I don't, I'm not, I am an ally, but I'm not, I don't feel like I've, I'm entitled to use the word. I don't know. So even when Paul is saying, I am a queer man, you wouldn't then say, Paul is a queer man? No, cause I'd just say, Paul is Paul. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that, that, that kind of, the ideal that's utopia right that's yeah want to go but you know what you um as you say that um yeah uh, um maybe i reflect on that question <laughs> a little more <laughs> no because you're right because I, I i think that um i still wouldn't have a problem with it but i think what your beautiful point was natasha there need that i like the consideration mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um and it's interesting the um beautiful wedding we went to this queer wedding two gorgeous wonderful women um it was stunning it was so beautiful um we were sat at um a table of wonderful super raucous like like so fun lesbians it was love and i and a group of lesbians absolutely brilliant um and the banter the conversation we had from the beginning Mm. Um, to uh, like the end because of the whole day affair that then went into the evening as these things do and then the morning um, uh, it was just there were things that I think now we're talking about it if they were said by mem- non-members of the queer community I don't know how they would fit like mm. you know what I mean like we just had so many silly banter like even getting on the party bus yes there was a party bus oh hello um, which was so fun, but I've got to say, like, I don't, I, gosh, I'm mentioning age, maybe I'm in therapy about my age. <laughs> um, but I was like, health and safety, like, it was this open top, <laughs> like, literally, the bars were so low. We'd all been drinking, we'd all been eating, they were playing like tunes. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> People were like twerking on the bus, not sitting. I was like, I would clap it, but I was like, you should sit down, you should sit down. Um, but, but you know, like even coming on them, like the one of the girls are calling me princess, like, like come on, princess, you go first. And it was just it was just a really mm. loving, mm. funny, great. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. You, you do raise a very valid point. Like, how would I have felt if a complete stranger said, "Oh, you go first, princess"? Mm. Um, yeah. Even if they said it with such warmth. Mm. Yeah. Oh, princess, you go first. Like, I think the consideration. Um, and maybe, no, maybe that probably would be triggering for me if someone um, yeah. said it mm. and that would be like, well, that's loaded. You don't know. Yeah. Me. yeah. So um, maybe, maybe, oh, I, um, yeah, I don't know. That's why we're discussing it. Yeah, yeah, because we've had um, some people after listening to the first couple of podcasts have said, can we do something around language? Because that's something that is coming up more and more mm. often. Mm. Um, because generally people don't want to be disrespectful we're finding that you know and we don't right, and, right. you know but people just want to understand where the boundaries are or what what they should and shouldn't do and if it's okay to do this or that so yeah um, and you get it a lot don't you like with with lots of words you know there's lots of words in history that have been have for right right reasons have very negative connotations but then are reclaimed by different parts of the communities and then people then go well hang on a minute they're using that word is that okay to use is it not okay mm. to use and it it makes it really really difficult 
I, th- I think for people then who maybe aren't as close to the LGBT community, for one example, to then understand be, yeah. and see what's right. And so I think, you know, we go back to allyship. Actually, my job as an ally is to say, well, in those situations, that's how I do it. And for me, mm-hmm. it's to be as respectful as possible yeah. because ultimately I am an ally, but I am not, mm. you know, I, I, I can't I can't speak for someone else. Yep. Don't know. So that's we, that moves us on to labelling others, doesn't it? Quite neatly, and yeah. um, we do. I mean, we do label each other all the time um, because it does help compartmentalise a situation or behaviours, um, and it's often saying something about people that is not about us. So it's I'm labelling you that because I'm not that, mm. and for me, I, I think it ends up uh, limiting our curiosity about people. Yeah. So it, it forms that um, that definition in our mind or that connection that we have with somebody with a thing and a label. And that means if that doesn't align with our own value system, then that person is something separate to us. Yeah. And that and, but and that when we talk about positive and negative, I think that is a, a the negative part of labeling. Yeah. That it, it slams down any curiosity, it slams down any any more exploration of what that mm-hmm. person can be. Yeah. Because you've given them a label and that's it. And I think I think you make a really it what it brings me on to thinking is around like that compassion for change. Mm. because so I was reading this um psychology today article Dr Julie's got Ooh. me reading hello <laughs> um, love, love. And, and it had something so really proud. <laughs> <laughs> I normally just rock up and just hope for the best um but it said um this person said um I have a cartoon on my office door of two prisoners sitting in a cell and one says to the other you're not a murderer you're just a person who happened to murder someone this cartoon works because being called a murderer feels like it carries something essential about the individual. So if you use terms to describe people and you believe they cannot change, then your life can be stressful. Completely agree. It's an interesting yeah. point. Mm. And that's so great that they chose murderer. Mm. You know, um, adult murder, because we is wrong. It shouldn't <laughs> happen. Um, you know whether you know um criminal let's use criminal then yeah um i'm saying that because there's more flexibility but yeah. same same situation same analogy everyone makes no well everyone all fact, of us yeah we've done it like like it i i think um i i like that i like that that um that taking away the definition the exact label you know Mm. this was just a human who made a really really bad decision yeah um the decision on the level of bad was far worse Mm. than many bad decisions we probably make however why the next day can't they make good decisions Mm. or you know works for penance or whatever that would be like you know prison whatever whatever community service and then set themselves back up to success you know, um, yeah. So that's that's interesting about like the harshness of labeling and how it can ostracize. And I love what you said, Julie, about it takes away the exploration. Mm. And I think um, under the queer umbrella, there's constant shifting and exploration. 
um, for many people on their journeys. And, you know, if we took away, if we took that away, then potentially people could be unhappy or not be living their truest self or their fullest life. So, yeah, I suppose that is the um, downside of pigeonholing someone. Yeah, and and so so that's obviously incredibly serious slant on it. I'm going to be a bit um, lighter, lighter, good, and talk go about on. Gucci handbags. <laughs> oh, here we so, go! Our favorite right. topic. <laughs> <laughs> so so we can sometimes label people in terms of the type of person that they they are, depending on how they dress or you know. So an example for you, Paul, is. Um, you're known by my husband as as the man with long hair with yoga pants on, because that's when, he, when he's when he's seen you sort of perform, you've had yoga oh, pants. But so fun. so the way and, and some people can label people on their expensive hand, handbags or designer handbags. Mm-hmm. So you might go along and see somebody with a, a gorgeous Gucci handbag, for example, um, and think that think that they're a certain type of person, but actually. Um, they, they, that might have been their lifelong ambition to buy a Gucci handbag that they've saved for mm. 10 years to get that Gucci handbag. And But the person who's labelled them as somebody who has a Gucci handbag has got 20 Gucci handbags, then is is doing them a real disservice mm. um, because they're, they're creating this image in their mind and this label about this, this person and, and what they're what their desires are, what their background is, you know, just from looking at one one item, one accessory, for yeah. example. I actually did have that happen to me, you know. Did you? Yeah. So I so back in the day, um, I always dreamed of having a Mulberry handbag. So I really, really wanted the Bayswater bag. Mm. Anyone that knows it, it's a beautiful bag. And um <laughs> I like literally for years, like pined over it. Mm. I'd go into the Mulberry store, I'd stroke the bag. I could never afford it. <laughs> Get kicked out. <laughs> yeah, got a bit weird. And then, <laughs> and then I got into a job where I had the possibility of a bonus. And for this year, like the stars aligned, it all worked out. I had a brilliant team and we delivered. Like it was epic. It was a wicked year. And brilliant. I got my bonus. And I went yeah. to the Mulberry store and I even, oh my God, so bougie. I even got the train to London because I was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it like right. In style. Yeah. So I got the train to London and went to the Mulberry store and I bought the bag. And my whole bonus went on the Mulberry bag, but I did it. But then mm. straight away, people then will always comment. And there mm. is that assumption like, that oh, judge. you're a bit fancy. Mm. Well, no, it's my most treasured possession. I still have it. It's yeah. still mint condition. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that straight away mm. happens that people then assume. Yeah. And it's and that's when we think about also introverts and extroverts. We, this is a conversation oh, yeah. we're talking about as well. So you assume because somebody's really loud or because people, for us, we're doing podcasts, people would think, for example, we are huge extroverts. And and <laughs> we are absolutely not. We, we are the most introverted people, I would say, aren't we? But yeah. Um, and it's it's exhausts us doing podcasts. <laughs> Just Dr. Judy doesn't like being happy very much. No, I'm like right. too negative for all this <laughs> happiness. <laughs> but it, but it's true because you know, and I read a, a book by um, Susan Cain recently mm. um, um, called Quiet, um, and it's it's about a world where everyone shouts. Um, and it, mm-hmm. God, it really spoke to me because it's true. You know, it does, there's nothing wrong with being introverted. 
Um, and I always thought that was a, you know, a label that I'd put on myself was, you know, I'm, I'm an introvert, um, therefore it's a bad thing. But actually, it's okay. You know, I don't have to pretend to be an extrovert all the time, you know. So I actually came across that concept from that author via Simon Sinek on a YouTube video. Okay. Look at that generational <laughs> difference. You read it, I watched it. Um, <laughs> hanging on to my youth. Um, but it was about, actually, we, we think about introvert and extrovert ro- in the wrong way. And he was saying, actually, so as an introvert, you start the day with like five gold coins. And for every interaction, you give a coin away. But then as an mm. extrovert, every interaction you have, you gain a coin. And I, that just really, like mm. you say, it really spoke to me. Ooh. Yeah, it's it's interesting like that taking and giving, you know, um, mm. because of the side of someone that I suppose I would lean more toward extrovert, but actually, um, uh, like, you know, I actually like, like at home, I like a very quiet situation. Do you? Um, yes. Oh my goodness. I remember um, when I first moved to New York, I dated this guy and he was baffled how quiet my apartment was and i was like well you've got to understand my whole world my whole life is sound mm. and lots of it it's very rare i'm like working with clients or clients like could you sing quieter like it so and my whole and sound and bashing and orchestras and this oh, um so my day is very, very quiet, and my partner's day is very, stuck very loud. Like podcast on, music <laughs> blaring, like just even the aromas, like the fancy coffee that is so potent. I, I just, I can't. I like to keep it, you know, a really um, quiet time. And like even like I'm an avid cyclist. Um, the part of that is the therapy of cycling, like Ooh. the a commute in silence or listening to a podcast or just like cycling to Regent's Park being like oh this is warm pretty like you know it's so there's the flip side of like the expectation of if you are deemed extrovert you want to deliver perform you know um which definitely comes up and with family sometimes um you know like well no (laughs) you can do this actually you can play with the kids you had them. That was your choice. <laughs> your job. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I love them. They're wonderful. Um, but you know what I mean? There's like yeah. also that um, maybe sometimes the experts a coin being taken away. Mm. Um, you know, all that balance, huh? That it is. So we have a tradition on the podcast and we talk about inclusion very much being an action. Um, so, Paul. Can we hear what is your top tip or inclusive action you'd want to share? My top tip or inclusive action. My top tip would be to listen. This is with inclusion in mind. To listen, assess and be compassionate mm. those those three words are kind of their key to um inclusion um and i suppose like also saying that um just creating a safe space 
Yeah. And mm. what I do at Standing Ovation Choir, it's ultimately about creating a safe space. Yeah. And with that, in turn, comes your inclusivity, comes your diversity, comes your celebration of all these wonderful, the endorphins, the oxytocin, the adrenaline, that all comes in. But essentially, if I don't create a safe space mm. um, for others, then there's no point in even hitting around first note on the piano for a warm-up. There's just no point to it. There's no point in you starting a breathing exercise. Um, and also in life, you know, as well, there's no, um, you both have been wonderful at creating very safe, secure environment for me right now. So I feel that I can be vulnerable and open and share and laugh and, you mm. know, do the gamut of emotions because there's a safety there. And, um, I do want to share something, um, and I will try not to work on this. Um, but when, um, and also I'm going to bleach on about, I've just come back from Cyprus. It was really hot and it was raining over here. <laughs> ha ha, London. I'm you know, with a book. Um, <laughs> so, but there was this wonderful sculpture park. It was so cool. Like a massive park of sculptures um, that um, uh, over the years they keep adding. It's absolutely beautiful. The vista you're looking out into the ocean. Stunning. And we were walking around um, and like as we went into the park, Marlon was like, okay, so the challenge is you've got to find like your favorite one. And I was like, well, that's really hard because instantly I'm like a child. I noticed the first one, that one. I like that one. <laughs> it's like, well, there are like a million other sculptures we've got to get around. Um, so it was really interesting. One of my favorite ones was um, Sisyphus. Um, so Sisyphus, do you guys know the story with? No. Okay, no. So it's really great. So it was this wonderful white massive sculpture like the size of me and it's this chap looking really stern with this, this big boulder this big weight upon their shoulders and essentially Sisyphus um, did things in their behavior in the Greek times that upset Hades so Hades um, condemned Sisyphus in the afterlife to continuously walking up um, carrying this big boulder up this hill and then it gets to the top and the boulder drops so um, oh. the reason I'm sharing that is um, with safety. Um, I am, come from an army family, so I'm a massive supporter of the forces. So that is my disclaimer, folks listening. I am an army brat. We were raised in <laughs> messes, so I'm a massive supporter of the forces. Um, I should say my mother was an army brat, and then for proxy, we became them. Um, but yeah, I've been really let down of late through the net police, which saddens me to say. Mm. Um, and it just made me feel of Sisyphus, like how I felt like the culture, we were kind of like pushing that boulder up the hill. We were getting there to the mm. top and I was like, I feel safe, I feel safe. And then some stupid, ridiculous, slanderous words were chucked at my partner and I and calling the net police, um, there was no safety. There was no support um, for meetings they were supposed to attend. No one attended. Mm. Um, so you're just left carrying. And we're at an age and therapy and things like this. You can process it. And also there's the two of us together. Yeah. It did make me think of these babies. When I say babies, I mean like the young ones who mm. just found their identity. My goodness, that could have whacked them back. So it just made me think of like, I then went into a bit of like a Twitter hole of like, the Met Police, 
around Pride time. Yeah. And like mm. the Met Police at Pride marches and flags on this inclusivity training. And it's almost like a Sisyphean task because you're saying this, you're doing this, you're pushing that boulder up. But then when it gets to the top, it drops. Mm. It's like, that's not so important. There's, there's a mugging happening here. Or like it, it, it so that anecdote was to share that I feel safety is so important for mm. um, inclusivity um, and for people to deliver and shine. So I think that's it. That's my very long <laughs> <laughs> waffle to say that safety is really important. And I do love Met Police, but please be better. Please be a lot better. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, Paul. I didn't realise that you were going through that. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't fun. And it still hasn't been resolved. But then, you know, what what am I going to do? Well, I'm not going to carry that. Like, it, I've got to yeah. move on. Uh, yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. thank you for being so open and just lovely. This was a really, really lovely conversation and it's fed my soul for the weekend. Mm. Yeah, it was a, it was good that we spent the whole time on labelling, I think, because I think that we maybe even could have talked about it if it had been longer because I think it's such a huge topic. So thank you for being so open and sharing, Paul. Thank you so, so much for having me and it was gorgeous to see you both and hear you both and um, thanks for having me on this platform and yeah, just creating that safe space and I love this D&I spy. Watch <laughs> out, watch out. I love it. it. It's so important. I love the chemistry between you both. There's a sisterhood, there's a mentorship, like it just, it's great, you guys. And there's bands, it's so fun. <laughs> so um, bravo for like creating this awesome project, which um, would, and having space to talk about really important things so that they don't become performative, right? They mm. actually become action. So yeah. um, thank you for the opportunity and bravo. Like I'm looking forward to listening to more. Thank you so much. Paul, Paul, Paul. <laughs> Literally, I can't stop smiling. I love talking to Paul. Such a lovely... Well, you, you, as you say, um, his voice is so lovely and relaxing and uplifting. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I could listen to him all day, actually. And the things he says, I just... He just... I don't know, like... I just when he talks, I just feel like I'm being wrapped in this <laughs> lovely warm cuddle. <laughs> <laughs> I do, well, as opposed to when we talk and like, uh, like yeah, when your accent comes sp- out, <laughs> spiky, <laughs> spiky blanket. <laughs> um, he calms me. He calms yeah. me. Anyway, he's a yeah. He, he got and, and I love the way you're so frank talking about the word queer, because mm. um, that that is. You know, it's it's a it's a newish word in into people's language now, um, and it's still whether we can use the word queer if you're not part of the queer community. So it'd yeah. be great to have that that conversation. I love that he said it makes him by using the word queer, it makes him feel warm, protected, and embraced. Mm, yeah, that's nice. Yeah, he's good, and that's nice. what like I I sound like um very I don't know what the word is and we know I look to you for this but very philosophical maybe when Mm -hmm. I say this but like I that's what I want every person like Mm. that sits as part of the LGBT community to feel yeah 
And I also want everybody who comes on this podcast to talk about Greek mythology, I think. <gasps> Hello. <laughs> Learned something there, didn't we? Yeah. Sisyphus. Sif- Sisyphus. Loved it. Mouthful. Yeah. Yeah. No, I thought he was uh, really, really interesting. I love these his, um, top tips, his actions around listening, yep. assessing, being compassionate, yep. creating that safe space. Um, I, I think that's underrated as well. Like being able to create a safe space for people is underrated. And it, but is it easy to do? I don't know. Well, I don't even like the word safe space. Do you not? No, I don't. I used to. And then it just got sort of overtaken Overused. again, mm. didn't it? Like like some of the language does get in, in inclusion. And it, it, it morphs from what it should be into something completely different and is used to bash people with. Yeah. So, I, yeah, so not a fan of that safe space word, but I know what he was talking about. Mm. But the fact that he could come on here and feel like he could be vulnerable and open, mm. I'm I feel very proud of us. Yeah. Yeah. Well done. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> you can find us on Twitter. Our handles are in the show notes below. And if you've liked what you've heard, please rate us wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to get new episodes automatically. Thanks for listening. <laughs>